Um, I was thinking about this sermon without even thinking that there is an adorable baby here in the sanctuary tonight. So I promise, Shira, I'm not trying to outdo you. This is still your moment. I just happen to have a little nephew, and he's very cute, but you're very cute. So it's, you know, there's space for us all to be cute, I think, in the world. So I promise, by the way, that this sermon is not just an excuse to show you pictures of my nephew. This is how we chat. You know, he's, he's very wise has a lot to say. <laughs> so Danny, who is uh, now a little over 14 weeks old, you'll see in the middle there he's rocking an Arizona onesie. That's from his favorite rabbinical aunt. Um, he's, I mean, wait a minute. There we go. You got to stay on that one. <laughs> so he's growing up in a time where his family, a Jewish father and a not Jewish mother, is part of the norm. A survey of Jewish Americans conducted in 2013 by the Pew Forum found that 44% of Jews reported that their spouse is not Jewish. And for those respondents who were married since 2005, that number increases to 58%. So Danny will, like many of the children of those unions, and many of the beloved kids and grandkids of such unions in our congregation grow up with a Jewish identity lovingly bolstered by access to other faiths and traditions. His non-pork, non-shellfish eating dad, my brother, will help him light candles on Hanukkah and they'll decorate a Christmas tree. He will grow up near a big, beautiful, brisket on every holiday Jewish family and he will also have the gift of knowing that he has a big, beautiful other side of his family that has different beliefs and traditions. My sister-in-law will buy him Hebrew blocks. They were on the registry, so I know it's going to happen. <laughs> and help him learn his Aleph Bet. And as he gets older, he'll also understand the incredible integrity and dedication that she models in helping him embrace a religion that is his and hers in its own way, though she chooses not to convert. His rabbi aunt will probably spend way too much time trying to teach him about obscure Jewish ideas, which I hope that he will at least humor me on. He will grow up loved, whole within himself, and I pray that this kid will never have to be cut down by that voice within our tradition, which may mark him as other or not enough. I have seen in my time at Solel the incredible power of creating a community where my little nephew and his family would feel welcome. I've seen it in our religious school families, in the diversity of our preschool, in the adult students in my introduction to Judaism classes, some partnered, some not, some converting, some not, all of whom bring a richness of history within other faiths and traditions that we have the opportunity to embrace in dialogue without dissonance. We as a congregation and as a reform movement strive to lift up the diversity of family structures and backgrounds within our walls. And I think we're pretty good at it. On the high holidays, there is nothing like watching Rabbi Linder 
call up for an aliyah to the Torah all the non-Jewish parents and spouses who support their Jewish kids and partners. And I think we can also do more. We can say more often and more loudly what is written in Isaiah, Ki veti beit tefillah yikare lechol ha'amin. My house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. We can continue to say to the partners of Jews, the friends of Jews, the Jews whose family of origin are not Jewish, the Jews whose children marry those of other faiths, you are welcome here. You are loved here. And you are essential to who we are as a community. I know that this is true because I know deep in my kishkes, in my gut, that what my brother and my sister-in-law and that little nephew deserve to experience is acceptance and love in every Jewish community they encounter. And what they do not deserve to experience is what we are forced into reckoning with this week in the Torah portion of Pinchas. Pinchas is a zealous warrior against intermarriage. And he ended last week's portion by stabbing to death an Israelite man and a Midianite woman while they stood in front of the community. And now, this Shabbat, we're faced with the very painful discovery that God seems to smile upon this behavior. Pinchas is rewarded with a Brit Shalom, a covenant of peace, one which will be his and his descendants for all time. The Torah records his flash of violence as an act of expiation for the sins of his fellows who married foreign women and were led astray into idol worship. Now, true, we might make our own peace with this portion by reminding ourselves that it was written at a time when tribal identity was paramount, when foreign spouses equated to foreign identities, when no one could see the vibrancy that life can offer when we embrace the wide variations of human traditions and spiritual expressions. But that Israelite and that Midianite are not relegated to their time alone. Cosby and Zimri, the biblical pair we know so little about, are my brother and sister. They are your family. They are maybe you. So how do we find tikkun, repair, <coughs> for this story? I find it in two places. The first is in the peace that God has offered Pinchas. I'm going to take you away from this cute guy so I can show you. In the Torah, this shalom, shin, lamed, vav, mem, is always written with the vav, that third letter, in two interrupted segments as if the writers of the text are reminding us that a peace gained through violence is a broken peace, that a community without all of its members and those that they love is a broken community. And the second place is what I see as the antidote for Pinchas's actions and his elevation. And it's the moment later in this portion when Moses, aware of his own impending death, 
asks God to find a new leader to replace him. God could, in this moment, choose Pinhas. He's stepped forward. He's taken charge. He's already been offered a covenant. But instead, God explicitly turns to Joshua, who's described as having a ruach bow, a spirit within him. Joshua mirrors God, who Moses refers to in his request as Elohei Haruchot, God of spirits. Rashi, that great commentator, picks up on this repetition and he interprets it as a way of signifying what true leadership might be. God of spirits. What is the point of this phrase, he asks. Moses said to God, Master of the universe, everyone's unique and diverse thoughts are revealed and known to you. Appoint a leader for them who will be able to bear each and every one of them. Joshua, not Pinchas, is chosen as Moses' successor precisely because he has ruach bo, spirit within him, the ability, as God does, to honor diversity. If we want a covenant of broken peace, the Torah is telling us, we might behave like Pinchas, shutting out those who find joy and love in other cultures, faiths, and traditions. But if we want to lead each other forward into the promised land, we must be like Joshua, imbued with Ruach, the spirit of carrying and acknowledging the uniqueness that makes our communities human and whole. So this Shabbat, I pray that we might all strive together to repair Pinchas's broken covenant. How can each of us reach out to those in our lives and in our communities who do not practice like we do, believe like we do, look like we do? How can we ensure that our Judaism is not reactive and threatening to those who live and love among us, but rather is open and inquisitive and loving? I know that it can be scary to reach beyond the bounds of our tribe. I know it's easy to want to throw a spear every now and again. But I see every day that knowing one another's spirits is so much more precious and so much more holy. I see it in a couple I am marrying who will weave the Jewish liturgy beloved by the bride in with Mexican Catholic traditions meaningful to the groom. I see it in the visit I had with my new dentist who, after cleaning my teeth, engaged me in a full conversation about how the Quran from his tradition and the Hebrew Bible from mine would each interpret the idea of Shabbat. That is not what I was expecting after getting a lecture on flossing. <laughs> and I see it, above all, in my sweet nephew, who knows no dissonance in the different upbringings of his parents, who feels no uncertainty about the full perfection of his being, but knows only that he is loved and his family is just right, exactly as it is. May we know the same, that our families and our beings are just right.
exactly as they are.